Video Insiders is the show that makes sense of all that is happening in the world of online video, as seen through the eyes of a second-generation Kodak nerd and a marketing guy who knows what iframes and macro blocks are. And here are your hosts, Mark Donegan and Dror Gill. Well, welcome to this super exciting and super special episode of the Video Insiders, and I am here with Dror Gill. Dror, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Mark. It's great to be on the microphone again with you in this uh, very special episode of uh, the Video Insiders. And today we have with us uh, a real Video Insider, a true Video Insider that has been with this industry from the very early days of um, conditional access uh, in the transition to uh, digital TV until uh, today where everything is streaming from the cloud. Uh, this person has, uh, has managed the company, took it public, then took it private, then sold it, then bought it. And this is really a fascinating story about the phoenix of the media industry. So we are very happy and honored to host today on the Video Insiders, Abe Pellet, the chairman of Cine Media. Hi, Abe, and welcome to our podcast. Well, thank you. Uh... Sounds interesting. I don't know about the title, The Phoenix, but, uh, you know, we'll see. I think it fits. Yeah. I mean, a company that goes through all of these transitions, but still uh, keeps its value, keeps its brand, keeps its uh, customer base. Uh, I think this is uh, really interesting. So uh, we'd be happy if you can kind of run us through the the story of the company, the history of uh, Cinemedia, which was... Uh, uh, previously NDS, and tell our listeners how uh, and when you joined the company and what phases uh, it went through uh, throughout the years. So, you know, I'll make it short because obviously it starts in 1995 when I got a uh, unexpected phone call that Rupert Murdoch wants to see me. Uh -huh. I was in Israel, actually, uh, having left IBM uh, Research, where I was vice president for systems and software. And having come back to Israel to join uh, Elron and Uziah Galil, who unfortunately passed away just recently. Yeah, it's uh, very sad. He was kind of the, the father or the godfather of Israeli high tech. Yes, and uh, Uziah met me in London and, uh, sorry, in uh, New York and uh, really convinced me with his vision. And uh, I'm pleased to say that... Uh, we started the first uh, commercial internet service for businesses in, in Israel in 1993. And Elronet, uh, which is what we called it, offered not only internet connectivity to businesses, but I must say we were trying to sell rooms for the Hilton and diamonds uh, from the Diamond Exchange. Unfortunately, in 1993, there weren't enough buyers on the internet. <laughs> right. But it, it was kind of an e-commerce platform. Yeah, we started with that. So uh, I was having a lot of fun. Uh, and Duzia is a, a remarkable uh, individual. Uh, I joined the board of Elbit and uh, the board of a few other of the uh, Elrond startups. And uh, was having quite a bit of fun. And then in... Uh, March of 95, I got a call and I said, Rupert Murdoch wants to meet you in New York and uh, can you come uh, next week? So I frankly didn't really, had only a vague idea who Rupert Murdoch is because, you know, 
I, I wasn't involved with any of that, but uh, I quickly bought the book, a biography of his, and, uh, and read it. So uh, I was clearly intrigued, and I said yes, and uh, I went out to see Rupert Murdoch. And uh, what was going to be like a, an hour lunch turned into a three-hour lunch. And uh, he talked to me about the digital television and satellite television and, he, and you know, that he has this little company. Uh, at that time, it was still called NDC that uh, supports Sky, but, you know, they've gone through four management in, uh, in four years. And uh, he hears that uh, I'm the kind of guy that can make it happen. And uh, I was fascinated by uh, both his vision and uh, with his level of interest and insight, even though his insight was mostly, hey, uh, multi-channel television is going to be great and digital can let us go from 20 channels to 200 channels and much higher quality and so on. And uh, I ended up accepting the job. So you moved from pioneering uh, internet services in Israel to pioneering uh, digital TV services in, in the UK? Well, it seemed to me really like the beginning of the PC, you know, the digitization of entertainment uh, seemed to me an opportunity, a little bit like, uh, you know, 1980 when the PC came out. And, and so I saw the, uh, the potential uh, on the way back to Israel. I, had, I stopped in London, met the CEO of Sky at the time. Sam Chisholm and, uh, and some of the technical guys that gave me a tour of the one building that had everything. It was still analog. And uh, I came back and I told Uzi, I really am sorry, but this seems like an opportunity of a lifetime. And NBC at that time was about 200 people, 120 or so in, in Israel and maybe 80, and mainly in England and a few here and there sprinkled had just uh, won the contract with, uh, uh, with DirecTV that was about to launch a year later or so. And uh, I thought that uh, conditional access, obviously security is a key element in it, uh, but uh, the digital transformation is more than just conditional access. So we proceeded to really uh, uh, look at it in a... Uh, how do we transform this industry? And our tagline, by the way, was uh, changing the way the world is entertained and informed. So the first problem was that the smart cards were not secure. They kept being broken because they used standard semiconductors. And uh, I decided to invest in really building a proprietary chip that had our unique uh, technology on it. And uh, that took a couple of years a couple of iterations as we build up the capability. And uh, it was an expensive investment. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it really paid off because that's what eventually separated us from the rest of our competitors in this area, which at that time were the same ones, Erdeto, Nagra, Canal Plus. Uh, and having this proprietary technology, which made reverse engineering a lot harder, really uh, established us as the premier supplier for security uh, in this area. So that was your competitive advantage? Yeah, the competitive advantage. And, you know, uh, we went public in 1999 and uh, analysts said to me, Abe, hey, uh, Kudelski is spending uh, half of the money on R&D that you're spending. 
and uh, he's valued much higher as a result, I said, well, you know, either his people are uh, twice as smart <laughs> uh, or work uh, four times as hard, or, you know, we're going to open a competitive advantage that will be hard to catch up. And indeed that happened. But I think the bigger story is that as we worked on digital for Sky and digital for DirecTV, we recognized that digital has to be a different experience. And we, we worked initially on EPG. Interactive applications was, was kind of interesting. We didn't know and we never really went all in on interactive applications. And the reason was that uh, when we launched Sky Digital, we had the... Uh, interactive sports application. Everybody said, wouldn't it be great if people can pick their own camera angle to watch the soccer match? And uh, it sounds really good in theory. Actually, the funny part is people are still talking about it today. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But what happened, uh, frankly, is that, uh, yeah, we made that possible. The, you could pick six angles. And customers started calling, you know, can you turn that off? Because we, after we pick our own angle. We can never fall, find the ball again. And it's <laughs> Everybody has to be a director and, and chase the action. That's right. You know, David Hill, uh, who was the head of sports for News Corp, and uh, I went to a Super Bowl with the News Corp executive committee uh, around that time. And uh, he took me to see the uh, production truck. In the production truck, they were controlling 32 cameras. There was one director for each four cameras, and then, you know, another director for the uh, four of those, and then ultimately the guy that picked the right shot. And that's when I realized, hey, will the guy at home be able to do better than these professionals? No, they always pick the best shot. So after three months, we disconnected that uh, application, and uh, we did QVC also shopping. And it was very successful, but only 30% of the QVC audience bought off the television. So we really didn't focus. And the interesting story is that uh, Open TV, which was our competitor in middleware at the time, neglected its middleware and went all out on interactive applications. And indeed, when we went public, that was their big pitch. You know, we're going to do interactive applications. And we started developing our own middleware, which eventually you know, we took over in most of the customers that originally had Open TV, And Open TV, of course, eventually got bought by uh, Kudelski. So we had this holistic view that it's really about the consumer and their experience. Right. Even though you are not selling directly to the consumer, right? You're selling to the service provider, but you are kind of responsible for the consumer experience. Yeah. Our success was really based on, you know, will consumers find this? Interesting. And I have to say that being on the News Corp Executive Committee, where I met uh, people like uh, Peter Chernin, who ran the studios, or people that ran the movies, and, and, and so on, really helped me understand the industry a lot better than a typical technology uh, provider. And that uh, News Corp uh, connection uh, helped me definitely shape the fact that what matters is, is the consumer. And I still remember Murdoch saying, Abe, you know, I started selling newspapers and I had to ask myself, why would a punter, which is what people are called in England, <laughs> stick his hand into his pocket and take out five pence or a shilling and buy my paper? 
and they said it was the headline. It was the picture. And you really have to ask yourself why would people uh, and where would they spend their time? So first of all, there's no confusion. And that's what I learned from the people like Peter Chernin and Chase Carey and the people in Fox. People will watch television because of a compelling story, uh, because of a news event, uh, because something that they, they like. So the first reason is, you know, uh, content and content is king. So I think that benefited us a lot. And that's why, you know, we always focused on the consumer and what their experience is. And that drove a lot of what I would say our innovations and some of the key innovations in, were in the EPG arena. But uh, that's what drove the DVR. Our, our product was called XTV. TiVo was a well-known brand in the United States for uh, the first digital recorder. And they tried to be a, a consumer brand. Uh, our approach was to really sell it to the service providers and they each put their own brand on it. So Foxtel IQ or Sky Plus or, uh, and so on. So the end result was by the time we, we sold the, uh, the business, we had over 50 million DVR deployments worldwide and TiVo still had two. So you can't compete with your customer was the other lesson. But, uh, you know, we went public. Uh, we then had to go private because, of course, uh, when News Corp became an uh, American uh, company. So it was a technical reason that we had to become private. And uh, Permira, you know, bought 51% of the company. We went private. Uh, incidentally, the timing of going public in November 99 was... Uh, I would say four months before the bubble collapsed. So it was pretty good timing. And then uh, we went private in August of 2008. We concluded the transaction with Permira three, almost three weeks before the Lehman Brothers and the stock market collapsed. Wow. Incredible timing. <laughs> we still did it at $63 a share, which you know was a really good price. Permira honored the deal that closed in uh, in February of uh, 2009. We continued uh, really our path of uh, growth in Asia, in Europe, and uh, started, I think, the other innovation that we were early on and is critical to the continuing development is that we recognize that as broadband becomes available, it's critical for uh, our set-top boxes to be connected to broadband. And we came out with what was called hybrid boxes. We perhaps were the first to come out with hybrid boxes where you could get your VOD from uh, uh, online through the, uh, the box. That was launched on, on Sky, was launched on, yes, actually in Israel and almost all our platforms. We launched this ability for the box to be connected to broadband and uh, I think that helped a lot. Sky, of course, also recognized the importance of broadband and bought a, a broadband provider, which I think is one of the key reasons that Sky continued to prosper and do a lot better than any other pay TV platform in the world. Because, you know, the user experience included uh, broadband. They incorporated, of course, all the new over-the-top streaming uh, capabilities and so on. So to make a long story short, 
you know, we were going to go public in uh, early 2012. We already had an S1 filed. Uh, Cisco showed up at CES, and they seemed to have memorized the S1. They were hanging around the, uh, our exhibit and so on, as in the, the big delegation of senior vice presidents. So we eventually had discussions. Uh, Chambers was uh, really impressed with our, what they called customer intimacy. And uh, just as an anecdote, when uh, as part of due diligence, they interviewed, you know, a, a couple of senior vice presidents from Cisco went to see Mike White, the CEO of uh, DirecTV, and uh, he said, oh, thank you for coming. I've never met a Cisco salesman, but I meet Abe every three to six months to discuss our strategy going forward. And uh, if I may use this anecdote, Chambers called me and said, that is exactly, you know, the kind of customer intimacy we need. You know, the strategic engagement is communication gear is getting more commoditized and the cloud and all these things. So um, we signed the deal in March 2012 and closed in end of August uh, 2012. So, you know, it was a good transaction, I think, for Permira. Uh, they more than doubled their money in less than three years, uh, given the price they bought. So everybody was happy. And uh, I think Murdoch started already at that point recognizing that this uh, business is changing and, uh, and I recommended that we sell at that time and, and so on. I spent uh, less than a year and a half at Cisco, not in a operational role, but as a senior vice president for strategy in the video and collaboration, which is WebEx. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I really didn't feel that uh, it was that interesting for me. And, and Cisco, you know, is, a, is an incredible company. It's an incredibly well-oiled, you know, execution that, that sells its stuff through distributors. They don't manufacture it. I think they pioneer the fact that they don't manufacture. They only design and provide the components, and also they uh, sell most of their stuff through distributors who make less money, which is why Cisco is incredibly profitable for a hardware uh, company. But uh, this kind of business like uh, NDS uh, didn't really fit that model. So uh, I think that was part of uh, the difficulties in absorbing this model in a company that is overwhelmingly different than the way they sell things, support things, and so on. So I uh, left uh, Cisco. I was a senior advisor for Permira. Uh, that was part of uh, leaving in 2012. I joined the Inmarsat board, and uh, in 2014, Permira bought a company that I helped on due diligence, TeamViewer, in Germany, that I became chairman and... Uh, I'm still chairman of it. Uh, that company went public in September of 2019 at a valuation of over $5 billion. And it's a very interesting, very different uh, company, TeamViewer. Uh, but I learned a lot from it and uh, got involved with a couple of startups. Uh, Cisco, uh, Chuck Robbins took over in 2017 and uh, decided to really focus on more of their traditional uh, products and uh, Cisco wanted to sell what they call the video business that included not only NDS but also 
six other acquisitions, including a part of Scientific Atlanta and uh, video compression and head-end mostly and professional IRDs and some other uh, five other companies that they had bought and that are part of that uh, business. I was reluctant to get involved at first. Uh, however, in thinking through what are the opportunities in this area and talking to Sky, who were obviously is a major customer, were asked me, you know, what I think and what should they should do because they obviously had to have a big dependency on uh, the products from uh, at that time Cisco, which, you know, not only conditional access, but their middleware and AdSmart, the targeted advertising and so on. And uh, I, I thought through and I saw the, uh, the media industry changing and whenever there is change, there's an opportunity. So based on... Uh, <laughs> Three premises, uh, which were our investment thesis. First uh, is that, yeah, IP is a huge opportunity. It's a threat, obviously, to pay TV providers that don't embrace it. Uh, and it uh, opens up, uh, you know, new opportunities for distribution for other uh, players. However, at the end of the day, it's really about providing a great consumer experience, having the access to consumers. And I thought, A, the current uh, pay TV providers will evolve and can ad adapt to this new uh, media distribution environment because they still have a lot of the eyeballs and the consumers and understand that. And we can help them evolve that. So that's the first point. The second was that... Uh, Broadband distribution is great. Uh, it's really convenient. It, uh, it's easy to cross boundaries. You know, it's not limited by your cable or by your satellite footprint. Uh, you know, you can broadcast worldwide. But the same thing that makes it very easy to distribute for, uh, for legitimate people also makes it very easy to steal and distribute by pirates. And uh, I consider... Uh, streaming piracy, an existential threat to pay TV. And uh, having spent uh, uh, the last few years in the area of cybersecurity and with some startups, both in the US and in Israel, I felt that uh, by applying technologies from networking and cybersecurity, we can come up with a whole new way of protecting uh, content and uh, services for uh, distribution uh, over the top and uh, by uh, hybrid means. So we can have an opportunity to become a leader in this area again, especially capitalizing on the extensive cyber skills in, in Israel, which has always been the hub of our security operations. And the third aspect was uh, when we started AdSmart, uh, it was really a pioneering effort, and and frankly, we only Sky only did it because James Murdoch believed in it, and it took uh, quite a few years to to develop. But uh, Sky is the only pay TV provider of scale that does substitution targeted advertising in linear TV on a large scale, on the order of two hundred million pounds extra. Revenue, So they've proved the model 
And what has changed that the agencies that used to fight that now have a new enemy, which is called Google, and they recognize that uh, targeted advertising is an important uh, element, the data associated with it and, and so on, and are willing to, to play ball, which they did not when we launched AdSmart. And Sky Media had to sell it itself. And our unique approach, which we have focused on, is to be able to target both linear and over-the-top viewing because, you know, most of the eyeballs are still on linear. We felt that that is a source of incremental revenue for pay TV platforms, as is the case in Sky, and that we have the understanding technology and so on to do that. So these are the three premises we bought... uh, so Permira, I mean, I obviously not personally bought Cinemedia uh, back. You know, it was required a major transformation and a refocus uh, of the company along the three lines that I just indicated. What an incredible uh, journey. Really, really fascinating. You know, my uh, first major takeaway, Abe, is what you've said repeatedly, focus on the customer. And it's just so obvious in the success that you've had through the years, focusing on the customer, that this really is key. And yet we see, I think across all industries, so I don't think it's unique to video, but, um, you know, we see such a focus on technology and on really cool solutions and components, which can do really neat things, but then at the end of the day, when they're bolted together, either they don't add value or they don't add maximum value to the customer and the business is never able to be fully realized. And so I think the number one takeaway, if we were just to like stop our conversation right here is, you know, end the interview is focus on the customer and good things will happen. Mark, therein lies the opportunity. So media distribution today, I mean, yeah, everybody talks over the top, you know, and so on. But the consumer experience is incredibly worse than it was five years ago. And let me explain what I mean. There's a lot more uh, compelling content. Uh, the investment in, comp- in original content has gone up at least six or seven times, right? Uh, the Netflix balance sheet went from $2 billion to $27 billion, which means that's where they keep the value of the content, right? It's only expended a little bit in the first year. Uh, and that's all increasing massively. However, you know, I uh, in my house in the U.S., I have 12 streaming services. Uh, I have Comcast, I have DirecTV. Uh, Comcast has integrated... Uh, Netflix and Prime into its... Uh, so they're gradually integrating, as I said, was my premise that the pay TV providers will integrate these streaming services, but uh, only a few of them. So if I want to find something, it's a real uh, uh, sleuthing uh, effort. Uh, there is no integrated search. It is the new holy grail, and uh, I firmly believe, and that's our strategies to be able to uh, what we call aggregation. So, you know, we view aggregation as the key to a better consumer experience. And uh, I think gradually some of these over-the-top providers understand that they have to provide deep linking to the catalog so that, you know, if Sundance is up on a pay TV platform, uh, you know, it should be 
uh, deep linked. I, I think Apple TV is trying to do this deep linking, but it's extremely fragmented. And that's not a tenable consumer proposition. Not only that, you can find out that you have signed up to Amazon where that's available free, but you know, if you look for it, you'll find it in some other service, Acorn TV or in, on BritBox, and uh, you end up paying for something you already paid before. The uh, amount of money that consumers have to pay uh, now to get uh, multiple streaming services as they raise their price to not subsidize content is uh, not affordable. The punters, you know, don't have enough money in their pocket. Let's just be very clear, even though they love everything. So we expect rebundling. Initially, it will be just bundling of, you know, the catalogs and so on. But ultimately, consumers will not pay retail for everything. And I think pay TV providers uh, will be able to bundle multiple channels into a price that is affordable by guaranteeing audiences the way it was before. So I think the consumer experience today, while there's a lot more compelling stories in television and everything that used to be a movie that took two hours now is a series that takes 20 and simply goes slower, that's a side comment, is not uh, what it needs to be. And over the next two or three years, I think it will evolve, A, into aggregation, including deep, deep linking to the content so that you can, when you search something, uh, you'll find it. I think VMPVDs, uh, I don't know what the raison d'etre is ultimately because uh, they don't provide infrastructure and they don't provide the original content. Right, only aggregation. Only aggregation. And you can start seeing Roku and Samsung and everybody wants to charge rent for being on their $50 stick. Uh, and that's not going to work. So ultimately, the broadband providers and, uh, and pay TV providers, cable, uh, satellite, if they, if they include broadband. And, and the reason DirecTV is the worst performer is that they haven't integrated into their package none of these streaming channels, which Comcast has, Charter has, uh, you know, Sky has, everybody. Uh, yes, in Israel, you know. Uh, Astro in Malaysia, which we have enabled and so on. So you'll see this aggregation. There will be premium, the premium content, the, like in the previous era where you had to have HBO and you paid for that separately. So in this new era, yeah, you'll have to have Netflix and you may have to pay for it separately, but it will be integrated and deep linked. There may be another one or two of these global streamings that uh, that will be the premium channels. Showtime was before. Maybe it will be for sure Disney Plus, uh, HBO Max. I don't know, but there won't be many. Everything else will be Sundance and BritBox and Acorn and all these will be simply aggregated into bundled packages that uh, will go to consumers through broadband providers or. So as we look at uh, kind of how the media landscape and distribution will look over the next three years, obviously the cloud is critical, but then, you know, it's, it's very expensive and to provide good video experience, a lot of it has to move to the edge. So we view the edge, edge computing and edge distribution coupled with, you know, control plane in the cloud, a critical 
development. And then again, you know, a lot less has to be done in the in the device that's next to your television. And if you are at the edge, you can do it from there. And uh, finally, you know, I've I've always thought that smart televisions are a bit of a uh, interesting uh, concept uh, because, you know, the television manufacturer has no incentive to update its software. He wants to sell you a new television. Uh, now they're trying to charge rent for being on their television. So Samsung says, oh, you have to give me advertising or you have to pay me. Uh, Visio is trying to do that, but I don't know because of the fragmentation of television manufacturing, etc., whether that's the right point to do it. And, you know, if you have a two or three year old television, it's already not up to date. From a broadband provider and the pay TV operator point of view, you know, doing an app for each of those televisions is just too expensive and would be a lot easier to have something that produces that at the edge or or so. So we're exploring these kind of things. But, uh, you know, my view is that that is how the world will evolve. So you're talking about uh, the platforms like Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus being the content providers and the pay TV being the aggregators. And, and that's how the system uh, will work. But still, the pay TV providers are producing their own content because they know that this is one of their differentiators. Yeah, so there are two types of pay TV providers. There are pay TV providers that also produce original content and, you know, have sports and all that, and that will continue. But they will also have to have this uh, other content. And that's, you know, Sky has always had also produce their own content as well as as have uh, HBO, you know, mm -hmm. Atlantic, as they called it. So, yeah, it will be this mixed world. Because of the ability to distribute globally, you can no longer be just a small media company. And that's why you see all this consolidation to compete with Netflix in terms of producing quality content. You have to have global distribution and you have to have scale uh, in terms of the number of subscribers. So Abe, I, I'm really curious. You're in a great position to answer this question. When we talk about aggregation, there's technical challenges and certainly, you know, Cinemedia has solutions there and, you know, we can talk about that, but there's business challenges around content licensing around, you know, there's, there's a very clear reason why someone could say, I'm not letting anyone else into my walled garden, uh, you know, keep people in my, you know, my environment, my app, my experience, my content, et cetera will be a mistake that the telcos made early on and and therefore became a dumb pipe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we're so we're all in agreement. I'm curious though to get your perspective because it, it being working so closely with Rupert Murdoch and and News Corp and Sky and you know you've you've bridged both worlds. So do you have some insights on how this may unfold or, um, you know, for example, you made a very interesting comment about connected televisions and 
it seems like that what you could be saying, and maybe I'm wrong, is that this is going to get aggregated by a platform, by a technology platform. So whether that is a Roku box or some set-top box that builds the experience, has all of the security, all the technology, and then enables the content owners, the service providers, I guess in some cases, to be able to link. Is that where you see the future going or what's it going to look like? Because I see this divide between the business and the technical. We're in a transition period where everybody wants is fighting for, I want to be the, the one that determines you know, uh, everything. So let's separate two aspects. One is content creation, and the second is distribution. And obviously some content, because of being the ability to go direct to consumer, the content players say, well, I can distribute directly to consumers and I don't need an intermediary. I think we already, you know, three years ago when uh, we decided to buy Vaccine Media, uh, it was a speculation whether that will be the case long term or not. We thought that that is not going to be the case long term and that the platform that they, even the biggest ones will agree to be integrated into the pay TV platforms. And indeed, you know, Netflix is on Comcast, Prime is on Comcast, uh, on Charter, on Sky, on Astro, etc. So when Disney Plus announced the first uh, international distribution, they said we did a deal with Canal Plus. So I think they recognize, yeah, I can have, and the United States perhaps is, is easier to get this direct distribution and it may be a bigger percentage of your viewing, but especially for international distribution. I mean, they try to do it in India. Now they say, well, you know, we really should, we've been unsuccessful. We really should work with the existing platforms and integrate and so on. So I think great content, yes, has its own value. And that's where it's derived from. Uh, being uh, also in the distribution business and sales and marketing, etc., uh, you have to be really big like Netflix. Otherwise, you have to be integrated into a platform because the percentage of time that people view, say, Netflix in Malaysia is a lot lower than they view it in the U.S., say. And they will need special Malaysian content and, and all that, which they are doing, by the way. Netflix has that scale, but not everybody. Disney Plus is different because Disney, you know, kids are the same kids worldwide. They all love the same kind of content. So kids is a different thing. And you have to have Disney Plus if you have a kid, you know. HBO Max, I don't know. You know, I think uh, they'll have to also adapt and, uh, and so on. Now, the distribution, which is a technology issue, I think is a separate point. And uh, the fact that, uh, you know, uh, Netflix had the scale to go and work with uh, 15 different uh, television manufacturers and with uh, Firestick and with this and so on, uh, that's fine. But not everybody has that scale. The second point is that that's where Roku comes in and says, no, no, I, you know, do it on Roku and Roku is trying to put their operating system in television. But once Roku and the Samsungs and these starts collecting rent, which means I would like uh, advertising slots or I'd like a payment, then the equation changes. 
because you know the television don't have a model unless they get paid somehow to keep this up to date, right? Uh, my Sony television, which is two years old or three years old, I forget in in the U.S. If I it offers me to update itself, but it will take ten minutes that I cannot watch television. So I, I haven't updated it. You know, and look, I have Apple TV, I have Roku, I have Amazon, I have every possibility. I think that, uh, and this is a prediction, right? That the the real processing power and and heavy lifting will move to the edge. And all that will be delivered to the television is just a video stream that incorporates both the graphics and the user experience and and the video. And very little will have to be done next to the television. When you talk about uh, uh, the devices, you know, because you have the sticks on one hand, you know, like RockU and, and maybe a Chromecast or an Apple TV. And then you have the set-up boxes, which come from the pay TV providers. And then you have just the TV where you can just run an app and, uh, and view everything that, that you want. So when you say Netflix is on Comcast or on Sky, it means it's on their box. Now, imagine that Comcast and Sky can have an app on the TV with their 200 channels. And some of uh, the newcomers into this market, they do not have um, a box, but only an app. So how can this aggregation work if you only have an app or if the user wants to use an app and not connect an external box? I think the box is the distraction, right? Let's talk just IP boxes because Sky obviously distributes also by IP. You know, we've done... Astro has an only OTT service. Vodafone has an only OTT service where we integrate these things. So that's it's a distraction, whether it's on an, an app on the TV or an app on your OTT service. It's about the deep linking and the consumer experience. That is, you know, I have the latest Samsung TV and I have on it every app I want. But, you know, I go to Netflix and... Uh, And that has one keyboard and one search method. I go to Amazon as a completely different keyboard, a different search method. I go to Sundance. That's not, oh, sorry, that's not on, uh, it's not on Samsung. So I have to go to my Roku stick. And that will have yet another way of, it doesn't have, you know, uh, recently watched, doesn't, a different way of searching. That's what I mean is a balkanization of the consumer experience. A provider can avoid that balkanization. So just having an app on the TV doesn't uh, solve the consumer experience across apps unless the only thing he sees is only one app. Right. So how do you search for content across the apps and across the services? And the common experience, you know, when you, when you search. Apple TV, actually, for the ones that has bad linking, is at the moment the best uh, experience and we've launched uh, using the Apple TV box in Germany we've launched the uh, Giga TV service where you know you you can see all these other what you call apps but they're integrated from a search and, uh, and point of view and uh, it's a common user experience and that's why suddenly, Giga TV is, is growing rapidly. I think uh, some of the things we've done for Yes in Israel have allowed them again to grow. I think Astro has just reported for the first time a growth in, uh, in pay TV subscribers uh, on the combined satellite hybrid and over-the-top platform. So, you know, I go back to your original observation. 
start from the consumer experience, which is television is a, is a, is a laid back experience. You want to, you're interested in the story and not in searching for something. So, you know, you can now go to IMDb and say, well, you know, where does that play or real good? And uh, the recommendations that they have, uh, or they tell you where it is, I'm not sure exactly what dictates them, but probably they get paid. You know, I generally am skeptical on recommendations. And I go back to something that uh, Peter Chernin, that ran Fox Studios and Fox Movies, etc., told me, Abe, the best way to produce a movie is to spend as much on producing the movie as on marketing it. And that's when you will make money. So when we look at the great shows and we start seeing that, you know, all these guys that have content will start marketing it and they will pay the platform to market it on their platform. And uh, that's another way to make money for the platforms, uh, you know, promoting uh, Mayor of East Town or, uh, or Line of Duty or whatever, because people, you know, will follow not recommendations. I'd like to find a cinema noir movie with, uh, you know, some strange actor. I mean, that's not how people watch entertainment. They watch entertainment because it's something they can discuss with their friends. It's a common experience, you know. Uh, and the way you get that common experience is marketing, word of mouth, social media, and that's all. Uh, and you can start seeing that in the content production, which goes back to my point that, you know, to really understand television, you have to remember two things. People like compelling stories since the days that they were sitting in a cave by fire listening to a guy telling a story. And second, they like to talk about it to their friends and colleagues because it's a common thing and they want to be able to find it easily. So if I know I've seen ads or I heard my friends talk about Mayor of Easton, uh, I'm going to go home and, and say, yeah, find Mayor of Easton. I don't want to open five apps to find where it is. So I think this leads into, uh, I'd love to get your perspective of some recent, uh, it, it's a rumor, and I think officially Comcast has, um, deep, you know, has debunked it. But, you know, Brian Roberts reportedly is looking at Roku you know, looking into our what if scenario, like what if Comcast were to buy Roku, does that accelerate the things we're talking about? Well, Comcast has a stick called Flex or something that uh, they give free to their consumer. So uh, I certainly wouldn't buy Roku. And Roku is becoming increasingly, you know, it's about uh, advertising because they extract advertising rights on some of the thing and about original content. They just spent money on buying the QB original content that will do original content. So clearly, you know, their value is not in their stick in the long term. Yeah, it's not in, in the hardware. Absolutely. Um, not too long ago, they passed over where more than 50% of their revenue is from what they call um, services, I believe, or maybe it's their platform, but it's, yeah, it's, it's advertising. It's, it's not the hardware. 
Well, we definitely, you know, we've just really talked a lot about um, both both the past of uh, TV and entertainment uh, technology and distribution and also the future and, you know, where it's headed. And, and I think where we all are in agreement where it should be headed because, you know, I, I'm a user too, and I don't have 12 or 13 services like you do, but <laughs> I think I've got six or seven. Yeah. If I wasn't in the industry, I would, I would definitely be canceling three or four. And I talk to so many people, um, obviously, you know, depending on where someone is at in their personal, um, you know, economic situation, some of it can be just pure economics, you know, can I afford to pay this? Um, but I talk to more and more people where, you know, they say it's, it's not necessarily the $10 a month or $12. It's just, it's the hassle, like, and, you know, and, and, even if I can afford to pay, why should I keep paying for something I never use? So this has to get solved. Um, but uh, Abe, I would love to um, hear, you know, coming back to Cinemedia, if you can give us some insights into what you're really focused on today uh, in terms of product, and you've already touched on this, but I think it'd be a great way to end Um you know, just, just tell us what your market focus is and even, you know, where you're excited about new product uh, expansion to enable, you know, these, these great experiences that we all agree need to exist. Yeah. So the, first of all, my real passion is about uh, streaming piracy and how do we fight that? Uh, because let's remember piracy destroyed the music business. It's not that there is no music. But uh, as Jeff Buke said, you know, it made dollars into cents. And artists today make most money from live appearances and not from the few pennies they get from Spotify or from Apple. Now, television cannot go the way of, oh, you know, we're going to have House of Cards as a live appearance and that's how we will make money. So it is an existential threat and... uh, You know, if I may say so myself, one of the key reasons Sky originally invested in in the acquisition of Cinemedia is that shared view that this is a really important area. I have focused on it and Cinemedia has focused it in the last uh, couple of years and we've built up what I am very proud of, an incredibly strong capability in uh, in both uh, identifying uh, pirate streams uh, on a scale that is not uh, known before and level of detail, uh, the ability to take action by identifying their sources, uh, disrupting them, and uh, the whole concept of a service protection over the top. I mean, there are today things that are just you know, the scale of, uh, of piracy is quite high. And, you know, the recent raid that was done in Italy where they took uh, 60 streaming uh, servers down or whatever, it's just a, uh, a starting point. We have now uh, started to deploy some of these, uh, both intelligence and blocking and, and other means to disrupt the content that they get. And, and so on, and with great success. So I think it's obviously a combination of uh, intelligence, which, uh, you know, in the old days, we had actual people that, uh, that monitored hacker websites and uh, how they talk to each other and so on. 
today it's all uh, in networking and, and automated web crawling and automatic methods for recognizing the, the content and whether it's uh, where it's coming from and watermarking and, and all of those things. And I think we've made tremendous progress in that and we have our first uh, deployments and have helped some of our customers you know, with, with that already in a meaningful fashion, but I think it's only the beginning. It's also important in parallel to work on with the legal authorities on the legal framework that is necessary to disrupt uh, these uh, streaming piracy. And for example, in the United States, just in December, uh, Congress passed a law that makes streaming illegal content a criminal offense, not just a civil offense for which you, you get fined. So there is an increasing recognition in Europe, in, in Asia. Uh, I think that the incident with Be Out Q and Be In, you know, focused a lot of minds on the fact that uh, even with a watermark, you can take it apart easily if you, with not that much money, you know, they divided, the, they took nine streams and uh, recombined them, which eliminates the watermark. So. To get into streaming uh, pirate content is today, uh, you know, less than $15,000 and you're in business and you advertise on the internet and some of these sites look like completely legitimate sites. So that's a key challenge. Uh, I think we're in the beginning of, of the road. Cinemedia has developed some unique capabilities based on, I'm proud to say, cybersecurity expertise in Israel that we've been able to attract because the problem is an interesting one and challenging one. And uh, that's a key direction for us. The other one is, uh, is this uh, integration of uh, the IP broadband distribution standalone over the top into hybrid boxes and uh, both for satellite and cable. And the initial successes we have there with Vodafone in Germany, with Astro in Malaysia, with Yes in Israel, actually an interesting case point. And continuing success with Sky, I think, are, are really an indication that that kind of uh, strategy works and pay TV providers that embrace it will stop the, the bleeding of their subscribers and actually start gaining new subscribers. The third area which I mentioned is advertising. Again, I think we have developed uh, new capabilities. It used to be that we could only do substitution in uh, DVR boxes. So, you know, innovation is never, it never dries up and people come up with new things. We have the ability now to do, uh, admittedly, a limited, maybe four or five ads substitution per hour, but that's plenty because still people don't substitute most ads uh, in even low end uh, boxes, obviously in over the top is easier uh, since we just manipulate the manifest. But the critical advantage that we have is that we can do it in a place like Astro for both uh, the linear TV that still most people watch a lot of the time and to the, the over-the-top boxes and to the VOD and have the kind of detailed data on households by better sampling uh, and feedback through these connected boxes. 
that I think are very encouraging. Again, we're still early. Obviously, we've spent the last two years developing some of these, but some of the initial, you know, kind of experience in this area leads me to be hopeful. Awesome. I mean, this is uh, really fascinating uh, stuff, uh, driving, continuing to drive uh, the future of TV and uh, consumer experiences. I'm, I'm really impressed and it, it was uh, very interesting. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it was a great conversation. So we'd like to thank you very much, Abe, for joining us today uh, on the Video Insiders. Yes, thank you, Abe. Thank you, guys. Thank you for listening to the Video Insiders podcast. If you'd like to appear on the show, just send an email to thevideoinsiders at beamer.com. That's B-E-A-M-R.com with a brief description on what you're working on and why you think it's interesting for our audience. This podcast is sponsored by Beamer Imaging. The views expressed by guests are their own and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity that they represent.